0: Hi, I'm Sarah for Sarah in Tech, and today we're going to be interviewing Jake Overall.
1: Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me.
0: What's your official title?
1: Uh, So, I guess official title, uh, I am the CEO and founder of CodeWorks.
0: And what does CodeWorks do exactly?
1: Uh, So, CodeWorks is a, uh, what's traditionally called a coding bootcamp, right? And so, a coding bootcamp is we take individuals who are career-seeking uh, and try to get them career ready in a very short time period. So uh, we have people who are trying to cross train, uh, come to us and say, I want to become a software developer. And so we put them through a 13 week long intensive course, Monday through Friday, nine to five type thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and then they come out at the end with a uh, software job is, is the goal and you know we've been doing that for the last six years, so really, really fun.
0: What sort of languages do you guys cover for the software engineering? Uh,
1: so primarily, uh, we cover uh, the what we call "quote unquote" the full stack, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So it's HTML, CSS, JavaScript, kind of on the client side, uh, and then we do C sharp uh, with .NET framework on the back end.
0: Those are not languages I know, so <laughs> there's a little bit of Greek to me. You no,
1: know, for sure. Uh, I, there's some crossover between like Node and Python, right? Where Uh, Let's say we're building like a web application, Um, you know, Node is a primary JavaScript language uh, and Python is also one of those really popular languages. Um, So you kind of have a little bit of crossover maybe between those two. I don't know if you're familiar with Python or not, but.
0: I'm quite familiar with Python. I I would guess so. So. (laughs) I think I would get in trouble if I wasn't.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so with being a data scientist. so.
0: (laughs) So you founded this company. Yep. And it's going pretty well but when did you discover you were interested in technology? Do you remember that aha moment?
1: So tech just kind of in general, right? Like I was always the nerdy kid in school, right? Um, You know, just kind of growing up, love playing video games, you know, love building my own computers, things of that nature. Uh, But I decided that I would actually go into the healthcare industry um, professionally first, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, I was graduating high school right around the you know dot com bust and you know the kind of the whole um, computer people are a dime a dozen right and everything's being offshored uh, and with HP and uh, Micron being here local like we were seeing that in our local economy so uh, rather than kind of follow my passion initially initially right I uh, I went into healthcare uh, and I actually got my degree in nursing uh, and because I was good with computers, that also just so happened to kind of coincide with a big push to say everything healthcare needs to be electronic by X date, right, X year. Uh, And so being naturally good with computers, you know, I kind of got promotions and got put into training roles and training nurses on how to use different um, uh, EHRs and things of that nature. So,
0: Electronic medical records and filling them in for patients and all that.
1: Yeah, Uh, and so kind of with that, Transition, right? I, I moved into this role of having to teach people tech, right? Teach people, uh, and some at the point in time, some of those nurses were de- definitely non technical people. Uh, and, you know, it was try to solve a problem and start writing programs to solve those problems, right? Uh, and so kind of fell back into that role of, you know, being a software developer, being a tech educator, and, um, I finally was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with healthcare anyways. I haven't been doing it for years. And, you know, I've mostly have been management and whatnot. And then, you know, I decided to jump back over into the tech industry. So,
0: so what is your favorite part about teaching something new to someone?
1: I think like uh, you were saying that aha moment, right? Um, I, I find it just, you know, exhilarating when you're teaching students and they finally get something to work for the first time, and it's you know the double pump, hands in the air, yes moments, right? Um, got it working, right? Uh, as a teacher, you like you love to sit back and see those things, um, and I think it's because those little successes lead to the much larger successes, right? Um, and in the process of teaching people, helping them truly change their lives, you know, that's one of our mission statements is uh, helping helping these individuals develop their future. Uh, what we really push for is. Uh, that retraining. Right. And so we have a lot of people who come to us and, you know, maybe they were a still worker. Right. And so one of our students in the past, he was a still worker. He was working on big high rise, got injured on the job and nearly killed. Hmm. And his wife was like, you've got to find a different like career. This, this doesn't work for you. Right. Um, He came through our program, uh, did very well, but you know, didn't know anything about computer programming beforehand and ended up leaving with a job. Um, that was paying within $5,000 of what he was making in the, in the steel industry, which is very highly paid industry as well. So, uh, you know, and it was just one of those things where it's like now his biggest mistakes can be undone with control Z as opposed to, you know, having thousands of pounds of steel drop on you. So,
0: (laughs) or end up in a hospital with medical bills and being repaired. So that's always a safer transition. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So,
0: do you guys help with um, job placement as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. So one of um, one of our employees, she's a total rock star. Her name's Brittany Owensman. Uh, she was, uh, been voted as one of the top recruiters, top 100 recruiters in the nation. Uh, and we're fortunate enough that she actually works uh, with us at CodeWorks. And uh, she's just phenomenal with helping students get their resumes ready. Um, she's a certified resume writer and things of that nature too. Um, and so that's all part of the, the code work service. And then we help with placement and, you know, networking and all of that stuff. So yeah, Brittany's just amazing at it though. So I can't, I can't take credit for that. She definitely, you know, when I I initially hired her, I was like, this is what we want, you know, here's a vague concept of how I think we could get there. And she's like, now let me show you how to actually get there. (laughs) And uh, she's just taken off with it and done awesome. So.
0: Sounds like a real go getter.
1: Yeah, she's great.
0: Do you offer classes outside of the Boise area?
1: Uh, we don't. Uh, so we do have some remote learning, of course, for sure. Right. But, uh, primarily where you are a face-to-face on campus instruction, uh, you know, you're showing up Monday morning, 9am and you, know, you go home every day at five and then you're back the next day. So,
0: so it's, I know, cause I only do my podcasts in real life uh-huh. <laughs> that doing things remotely via zoom, there's just something like the charisma and everything you just miss.
1: Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things like last year in the midst of COVID, right? Like we had to close, we had to push everyone to remote learning. And um, I've always been a big proponent of, you know, face-to-face education will 100% beat remote online learning. Right. Um, And I think there's a lot of camaraderie that comes when you get a bunch of people, a bunch of students all in the classroom together all in one space, trying to learn one concept, right? There's just something about that that works and works incredibly well, right? Um, and so we definitely like to capitalize on that. And, you know, whenever we can, we, we definitely like to have the the in-person training.
0: What is something that keeps you motivated?
1: Um, you know, that's, that's an interesting question because I think it has changed over the years. You know, when uh, I very first started the company six years ago, it was... I hope we can just keep our doors open. Right. Um, like let's, uh, let's see if we can, you know, uh, help people, train them. And originally when my brother and I started the company, it was if we're going to train these people, well, quite frankly, we need the talent, right? we are training them to hire them for ourselves anyways. Um, and so it was train them, teach them what they need to know and get them a job and quite frankly have them kind of work for us or, you know, for our friends. Um, and other employers in the Valley who we were friends with. Right. Um, And so that was like that initial push. And then over the years, um, just as things have grown and changed and, you know, do like they do, um, you know, those, those motivations and those initial like fears, I guess of, you know, Hey, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this just to survive. Now it's okay. Here's what we could do to better the experience for the students here's what we could do to make sure that our outcomes are improving um you know here's what we can do to make sure that the people that are coming to us that quite frankly for for the most part we have those students who have said look i'm you know forty thousand dollars in debt Uh, to college, I chose a career that I can't find a job for, right? Um, I studied XYZ, or we've even had those people who it's like, I have a computer science degree, but I don't know enough about programming to actually get hired. Um,
0: That seems insane to me. Like, how could you have a computer science degree, but not know how to program? I don't have one. But somehow I know how to program.
1: And I I think there's a there's that nuance, I think, and it depends on the different universities. Fortunately, you know, Boise State's very good. But um, there's other universities that, you know, computer science has grown into such an enormous field uh, that sometimes you get too much generalized knowledge and nothing specific enough to actually be an effective employee for a while. Right. Uh, Especially if you say, well, I have a CS degree. And I've learned a whole bunch about theories and algorithms and whatnot, but I don't know any programming languages. Okay, well, now you're gonna struggle to find that job as a software developer, right? Um, especially a software developer who companies right now, it's, you know, we need a React developer, we need a, a, a web application developer. Um, it's a completely different skill set. Uh, and it's almost like in the healthcare industry when you have your, your pre med, right, which you go to school for. And then if you actually want to be a specific type of doctor, you know, you, you then actually study under that um, specific field, right? And I almost kind of think that computer science has started to go that way as well, um, where there's just such a diversity in what you can do, right? Like as a as a data scientist, right? Like you use Python, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You're crunching big data sets, but you're probably not building applications. And I could be wrong there, but um, you know that's just kind of one of those things that's. There's differences in the problems that need solved.
0: I mean, I've definitely gotten thrown into the deep end of here's the database. Yeah. Can you make us a pretty GUI Ah. and the model and, you know, query the database and make a pipeline? And so I've been like, here you go. Let us know when you're done. (laughs) And I'm like, uh huh, I will.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that little learn as you go type of thing. So,
0: but uh, I know one place I worked, they actually wouldn't hire people with CS degrees because they were so notorious for not knowing how to actually program. And they had someone without even a bachelor's degree, um, just like writing these giant programs and doing everything very well. Um, And they definitely knew how to program. And I was always kind of struck by that. So I have definitely seen it in action, what you're talking about, about having a CS degree or and not actually knowing how to program, which is right.
1: So and and, weird. and that's you know, I, I go back to that. I'm not knocking a CS degree, no, right? Like no. in traditional colleges, great. Um, but you know, there's there's a difference between and and what what I largely consider, you know, these coding boot camps, because it's not like it was an initial like my idea it came out of nowhere, right? Um coding boot camps have been very successful, but they've followed essentially the technical training model, right? Like and quite frankly, programming software development is a technical skill uh, and so it, we can train it in a technical format as opposed to training it in a more traditional um, classroom approach um, you know like a university would mm-hmm. so to speak so
0: I mean I've, I've been a mentor at a boot camp so I kind of know the flow and how it goes and and that I've also lectured and I've obviously been part of the system and I'm not knocking CS degrees either I actually didn't enter data science through a CS degree I I but I entered it through a stats degree. I do know a lot of people who are very good that have PhDs in uh, computer science that do data science very well. Um, so I'm not saying it's a yeah, blank no, statement. no, uh, of just course, make right? Sure. Of course, and I always <laughs> like to clarify
1: that, you know, especially being the owner of one of these coding boot camps. Sometimes there are, you know, articles published where it's like, oh, boot camps are better than CS degrees. No, they're just different, right? It's just a difference in the the application of the education. Really.
0: Well. Uh, usually like a bachelor's degree goes through all of the theory and everything. Whereas your end goal is to produce someone who has that skill and you might skip over some of the theory and they might miss it because there definitely is four years of knowledge that happened during a bachelor's degree. I mean, I have a liberal arts degree. Uh Let me tell you, I definitely use that like sociology stuff that I learned every day. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's
1: absolutely the case, you know,
0: But I mean, it does make you a well-rounded person. So anyway. yeah. But let's not talk about that because it's obviously a contentious issue. Um, Do you have any life advice that you would like to share that you think spans the test of time?
1: That's an interesting... I don't think I've ever been asked that question like (laughs) so specifically. Uh, Life advice, um, you know, it's cliche and whatnot, but it's, you know, if you actually enjoy what you're doing... Right. Work is still work. It's always gonna be work. But if you actually enjoy it, like I talk to my students a lot about, you know, there's the the concepts of the Monday blues, right? Or I'm sorry, the Sunday blues, right? Like it's Sunday, I have to go back to work tomorrow. It's just terrible. Right. Um, and you're dreading you're dreading the next day because it's time to go back to work. Um and I think that's a good indicator that you're probably doing something that you're not passionate about. Um, because and you know, it's one of those things where I can't say like, I love leaving my family to go to work. No, of course I'd rather spend time with my family, but I don't dread going back to work every week. Right. I don't dread getting up the next morning and saying, sweet, it's time to go to work. Right. Like, and so many people have that feeling and it's, you know, if that's you, I highly recommend, you know, you find something else to do. Right. Um, And really truthfully, like life's too short to be miserable. So, you know, we end up working about, a third of our life away, I think is what it is. And so you might as well enjoy what you're doing during those hours.
0: That is good life advice. Love the work you do and love your life. (laughs) Absolutely. Where do you see tech or boot camps in general, maybe going within the next five years? Do you, do you see them becoming um, a bigger part of the college? I know one of the boot camps I've talked with, they were actually brought in by the colleges to come in and train kids after they've been through the bachelor's program. Yeah. I mean, where do you see it going? So
1: we at CodeWorks we've had a couple of those different initiatives with different universities. Um, you know, some of the different, uh, colleges, CSI is one of them. We kind of have a loose partnership with, um, it's it, like I said, we're more that technical training, right? Um, there's been plenty of boot camps that were acquired by big universities. Um, and they still run as a boot camp and it's just a different arm of that university, right? Um, and so I don't think we're going to see boot camps go away anytime soon. The need for uh, software developers is too great for us to see a decline or a, a a reason for the boot camp philosophy or the technical training to go down. At
0: Especially any- in this valley, we oh, are yeah. lacking a lot of technical skills. We need a lot more developers around here.
1: Absolutely. We, we do. And it's, it's one of those things. Um, Ryan DeLuca, uh, who's local business owner. Um, he's the one who started bodybuilding.com like back in the Amazon day, like early startup of Amazon time as well. Right. Um,
0: I think his website was like one of the first websites to sell a product on the internet.
1: Yeah. I believe that's true. Right. So
0: it's pre Amazon, pre eBay. If if you kids can imagine that day. Back when Netflix used to send DVDs to us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you got them in the mail, right? Uh, (laughs) And
0: Blockbuster was actually a thing with VHSs.
1: Yeah, it was great. Um, But no, it's it's funny because I remember this, he gave a a talk and this, I mean, probably at least 10 years ago at um, uh, Boise Code Camp and his topic was software's consuming the world, right? and that was, it was like 10 to 12 years ago, I, I, I swear it was. And, you know, I've only seen that need and that drive for everyone and their dog needs a website these days, right? Everyone uh, has to have, you know, a, a online uh, or some sort of mobile app or something of that nature. And behind every little piece of, you know, device that you have in your hand, there's thousands of applications. Well, it takes software developers to write them, right? So I don't see that going down anytime soon
0: if anything i would say it's increasing between the augmented reality the machine melding with your head with the and the self-driving cars our cars are becoming more computer than actual mechanics at this point so i definitely agree with you on that yeah
1: um i, I think it's also one of those things to you know kind of bear in mind um and I, I don't remember who said this but uh Jay Larson, um, uh, we, I was on a similar podcast with him and, uh, he talked about, um, what is the, the literacy of the, the new age. Right. And it really truthfully is computer knowledge, right? Like if you think about the people <laughs> 10, 15 years ago, those nurses that I was training, uh, to essentially use electronic charting, right. 15 years ago, it was Hey, I'm going to retire, as opposed to having to learn this something new, right? I don't want to use the computer, and nowadays it's well, you don't even have a you don't have a choice, right? Like if you don't know how to check your email, like you are you are long outside of the you work. You can't industry. even
0: apply for a job, even something as simple as like McDonald's. Yeah, you need to be able to use a computer to apply to work at McDonald's, which I remember having a paper resume for my first job and handing it.
1: Right. <laughs> right. That, And and, and yeah, it's just one of those things like, you know, time marches forward. And as we're going through it, you know, some of these changes, they just seem natural and they they don't seem out of the norm. But when you compare it to how that worked, even just five years ago, it's drastically different. Right. And so, yeah, that need for, you know, technical people is only skyrocketing.
0: And I mean, I definitely see. Even when I worked at a big medical facility, they didn't have Hadoop. Hadoop was like a new thing yep. at the beginning of my career. And now Hadoop's an old thing almost, uh, The that style of big database. And now we have different tools like Snowflake and GCP and AWS yep. and cloud is a thing. And that wasn't a thing when I started.
1: <laughs> no, of course not, right? And, th- and that's one of those things, too, I think is a testament to, you know, I don't really care where you went to school because... Regardless of who taught you, you know, what university it was or what technical school it was, you know, whether it's a coding boot camp, if you haven't stayed up to date with what's new, you know, in the course of five to 10 years, you're going to be outskilled anyways. Right. Um, And that's just a testament to how quickly the industry is continuing to change
0: and I I cheat because I'm not very good about reading the latest papers for everything for data science. So I made a data science meetup and I get a bunch of people who (laughs) like data science to come hang out and I present at it pretty regularly too. But when you get a bunch of people and give them some beer and you tell them to talk about data science, you hear about the transformers, about the FFTs and everything. And to me, that's a hack because I like interacting with people more than I like reading papers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> I haven't, I've never considered it to be a, a hack, but you're not wrong. Uh, we host a Boise software developer group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm one of the organizers of that as well. And yeah, it's, you know, uh, you throw pizza at people, you know, once a month and you have someone come and present. And, you know, it, it's, I think community is definitely one of those things where if you want to appear to be intelligent, right? Well, you just know a lot of people who actually are intelligent. And then you kind of, you know, hey, let me let me go buy you lunch today. And I need to know about X, Y, Z. Right. Um, and then, yeah, you step into that meeting and you get to speak as if you actually know it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, probably that is kind of hacky. But, you know, it it works uh, and it works incredibly well. And, you know, having those resources, having that community to, to lean on is absolutely part of what, you know, makes, I think, civilization right um us as humans as a whole like something that we can even do so
0: i hear that like a human in general is the sum of the five closest people to them or you're obviously the sum of all the people that you surround yourself with yeah but it definitely is like an entry way for me when one of my friends is like i use transformers at work here's how i do it and then i want to go out and read the transformer papers Mm -hmm. (laughs) so um that's just kind of my workaround, but it is important to always stay up to date.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, yeah, that's really funny. So.
0: Well, uh, can you tell me a little bit more about your meetup group that you are run?
1: Uh, yeah. So Boise Software Developer Group, we meet up. Um, it is the first Thursday of every month. Um, you know, we postponed it uh, for COVID, right? We stopped meeting up. We did a couple of online meetups, but, you know, uh, attendance was pretty sparse, Um And, uh, we are actually just getting that, uh, restarted now with, you know, um, the vaccinations and all the other stuff coming out. So, um, we're real excited to get that back up and rolling and, you know, we, we take guest speakers, um, and, you know, kind of get them scheduled out for, uh, I usually try to get at least a couple months in advance so I know uh, what it is. And then we usually provide pizza and, uh, you know, have everyone show up and present for, you know, 30 minutes on a particular topic and then hang out and network and, try and, you know, get people jobs and, um, you know, connect different companies and employers and you really just have a good time. Um, you know, at least once a month. So
0: we do something similar, but it's once a quarter. Okay. I'm doing it cause it's fun <laughs> mostly. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but and yeah. it's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work to, to host and manage and, you know, maintain those meetups. Um, and that's one of those things where we would not do it monthly if we didn't have such a large pool of software developers that we pull from in this valley, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, hey, you know, here's the general interest for this year, which we, you know, pull our members of. And then it's like, does anyone want to present on any of these topics? And it usually fills up real quick. So,
0: I might have to steal some of the ideas about that, about pooling members.
1: Yeah, it's pretty I good.
0: Usually, just ask people what they're interested in, and I'm like, cool, we'll go with that. Because <laughs> last time it was quantum computing and uh, reinforced learning. So, okay. both very interesting data science topics that are very complex yeah. don't have much practical application.
1: So it, pra- that, that practical application, so, we have a podcast ourselves, um, which we recorded. Two days ago, right, and one of our topics uh, that we were actually discussing, and I don't know if you've seen any of this or not, but uh, GitHub has just released a Copilot, right, uh, and so Copilot is essentially like, uh, let's use AI, let's use machine learning, right? Let's throw those big buzzwords out there, right? And if they, are, and I'd be kind of curious from the data scientist standpoint, um, you know, what do those words actually mean to you? Um, i
0: actually have a lecture on that
1: (laughs) i would imagine so right Uh, a lot of people use use them wrong right but uh so github copilot is all about you know if you comment what you want your code to do then github will scour its resources and try to build you something that actually works right and so then the job of the software developer is more let me review this to see if this actually does work rather than spend all my time trying to reinvent the wheel right
0: and i mean i think, if I'm correct, that's based on natural language processing and things in that space because they have such a giant corpus of programming that they can pull from to do that. And so it's kind of very similar to like GPT-3 in that space and that, are you familiar with gpt uh,
1: I'm not familiar with GPT-3, GPT-3 I think is what yep. you said. Yep. Um, I do know that, yes, there's the natural learning, It's it's reading the comments and then trying to decipher your intent. And then taking that intent and comparing it against, you know, public repositories. And I mean, there's billions of them, right? So, uh, and then I I believe at this current point in time, it's, hey, here's a function where someone commented, it says this is what it does. So we kind of, we kind of think that's correct. But, you know, it's still in beta right now. I actually just got accepted into that beta program. So still just barely starting to play around with it right now. But uh, no. So what is that GPT-3 thing?
0: Uh, So it's... just a I guess the way to describe it is it's a bunch of neural nets um, and that are set up like they're not set up like they are transformers is in the way that they did it and the most interesting part is the amount of data it was trained on mm-hmm. and the structure of these nets in the way that they were doing it there are a lot of different competing um things out there to gpt3 that just change the data that it was trained on because they won't actually release the data some people feel like the data it was trained on is biased and they're trying to make less biased and then they release it so there's like a open source one in hugging face and then they're also gating gpt3 which makes people some people upset and they're trying to say well it's um you know for the good of everyone because if gpt3 got out then it's Spam robots and stuff like that would make really good uh, spam emails. But basically what GPT-3 does, it, it can almost do anything. It's kind of weird. You can feed it like a very complex uh, publication about a topic and ask it to summarize it in like you were a five-year-old in one or two sentences. And then it just plops it out there like that for you. Wow. And it does a lot of different things. It doesn't just summarize things in concise text that... It's easy to understand. I think we, me and one of my friends were playing around with it and we gave it a neural net or not a neural net, a quantum computing paper. And it just is a very dense topic and it spit it out in two sentences and we're like, darn, it got it like right on the nail. And I'm like, I would have sat there really for a long time noodling how to make two sentences to explain it to a five-year-old. And, you know, it has all these complex equations and everything and it just did it way better than I could have. And I was, you know,
1: yeah, it's the, the compute, you know, the process. Uh, it's it's incredible, right? Uh, and talking about uh, the biases though behind that, you know, a, a model is only as good as what the data is that's being fed into it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, yeah, that's that's really interesting. i would do some extra research on that, but um, it's it's one of those things where you know I first started kind of looking a little bit at you know the machine learning and you know how could I actually apply it, right? And for me, everything's a logic gate, right? Um, were shifting left or right type of idea uh, based upon, you know, uh, data sets. And, um, you know, this tutorial thing that I was following was all about teaching um, in the uh, in the Unity game engine. You essentially, you had a paddle and you had a ball. And uh, the goal was to teach that if the ball falls off the paddle, then, you know, it's a computer sad type of thing, right? And so uh, it was interesting because at, four, at first it's just simply... Hey, there's no out uh, external stimulus, uh, and so the ball falls. The paddle gets turned horizontal, and it catches it, and they win, right? Um, but then you introduce there's wind factor, and there's all these other different types of things, and so by the end of that tutorial, you know you had this paddle that could maneuver around and keep a ball, you know, up in the air, um, which is just super cool, right? But at the same time, um, it, it it's interesting because when you have a very closed box, and you say, well, we know exactly what is going to happen. We're gonna, we, we know what all the variables we are going to introduce are going to be. You know, then I think it's, it's pretty predictive to say, okay, yes, then I can teach a computer to do that. What I find fascinating about you know, true AI and machine learning is we don't know what all the variables are going to be. right? And so uh, getting those models trained up to say, well, you know, how do you take something that you've never seen before and use what you have seen to actually infer and say this is, you know, 98% likely what it is going to be, right? Like it's, it's awesome to me, right? And I don't have nearly enough of a deep understanding of how it actually works. But um, I I do love those concepts. But you know, on a day to day basis, I'm building like web applications, right? I'm building, um, I'm building forms, I'm building, you know, websites, I'm building things of that nature. So I don't get a ton of time to play around with, um, you know, too much machine learning stuff.
0: I've just been doing it like almost a decade. So yeah. I'm like, <laughs> let me tell you about Love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Machine learning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you um, have any closing remarks that you want to make?
1: Uh, you know, I just appreciate you bringing me on. You know, I, I, I could talk for, hours geek out on stuff like this. (laughs) um.
0: I mean, we are allowed to geek out pretty much as long as we want and they can edit anything out that I say. So, Uh. yeah.
1: I mean, well then in that case, (laughs) um, no, I just, you know, again, just super appreciate and, um, you know, appreciate your time. And, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, to, to talk in the, here's, here's, I guess a, a question maybe as opposed to a closing remark, but, question is um you've got the big companies out there uh you know microsoft ibm um
0: bang
1: yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you you, so you've got these big companies and we talk about ai we talk about machine learning um and then we talk about ethics right and uh i know a lot of these larger companies have ethic or committees around you know is this being trained in a biased way, is it not being trained in a biased way? Like, What are kind of your thoughts and opinions on, you know, who's to say that the committee's unbiased, right? Like, how do we solve that problem?
0: I have an opinion that people don't like to hear, Uh but it's not training or not training a model in a biased way. It's that our world is inherently biased and when we collect data on it, we get a mirror back at ourselves showing us That we are not biased. We are not ethical. And we don't like what we see. So we're like, we are going to train this model differently so we feel better about ourselves. But Mm. the truth is, as a community, as a culture, that we need to change because we don't like what we're seeing. And so we're just trying to throw like a sheet over the mirror. And we need to actually change, not just make a model and put a little Band-Aid over top of it. We need to see real change, and that's not something people yeah. wanna hear when they have ethics committee, because I I do agree that the models should be fair and balanced, but the truth is is that the data is inherently biased mm-hmm. and the model is, is only as good as the data.
1: So I guess that opens that question to then can we can we train the the models to be better than society itself right is that even possible for us as as a society or as humans right um to get to that point where we are training the model and it truthfully is the unbiased thing that can help guide us to those those decisions right and not to i i don't want to get like too super political or anything here but i mean you have um you know, we've got race, we've got gender, we've got all of these different things that are hot topics in the news right now. And it's- And everyone's
0: know. always favorite thing to ask me is like, Sarah, what do you think about your gender? And I'm like, <laughs> I think I am my gender. I, like, what do you want? But sure, yeah. right.
1: And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, uh, we talk about there's echo chambers, especially with the problems of social media and whatnot. Like if I want to get online and I have an opinion and that's the way that I feel, I can find thousands, millions, of people who believe the exact same thing mm-hmm. as me, and so yes, it just echoes it back to me that okay, I'm not wrong, right? Um, and I think that's like you said, it, we are very biased um, humans. We are biased, you know. And I think it's you know part of our our standard cultures, part of our standard learning. So who's to say how how do we train these models, right? That that to me is one of those, you know, if we talk about. Um, the singularity, right? And I, I don't know if that's a topic you uh, <laughs> you follow closely or, at all or not. And, you know, maybe that's me just more on the, what the nerd a, side. what
0: specifically but... about the singularity?
1: So the, the concept of the singularity, um, at least in my opinion, is, you know, we are truly going to be able to train these computers, train, you know, these these processes to say... Uh, they're better than us, right? They're, and I i don't mean better than us that they can process faster, but that they're more emotionally complex. They understand the human so emotion. So they have they,
0: an emotional IQ.
1: Exactly. And that's one of those things that for me...
0: They uh, possess empathy. Right. More than a human, I would hope. Otherwise, you wouldn't want something with a thousand IQ running around unless it possessed empathy.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that empathy piece, though, is hard, you know, because it's, it's one of those things to say... Um, you know what's truly just do you don't want justice right um you want <laughs> uh, tr- you know you don't want a uh, harsh line 100 percent of the time right like if a kid steals a candy bar from a store right he's a kid he's a learning right and so that's something that you know i'm gonna punish my four-year-old very differently than i'm gonna punish my nine-year-old for stealing candy right um and i think some of that comes with the concepts of we understand human emotion, we understand human development, we understand how all that works. Are those th- things that we're going to be able to trust computers with someday? I I don't know, right?
0: So, I know statistics isn't that cool. It's like It is that cool. Well, but. I mean it is, <laughs> but basically data science is statistics on big data. I've, mm-hmm. I've even taken a class on big data in statistics. Looks very oddly similar to data science, but that's beside the point. The thing that I wanted to say is that statistics has been around a very long time. Like, Fisher was around, gosh, was it like the 17 or 1800s or something like that. It's been well over 200 years. They made a law in the United States that as a statistician, unless you're, like, actually, like, coming in to talk about something other than, like, the statistical probability. So statisticians started coming into the law system. I can't remember, like, what exactly kicked this off, but they started coming into the law system and the likelihood that you committed a crime started to become part of a thing and statisticians would calculate it. And they made a law saying statisticians cannot participate in that capacity to say the likelihood that someone did or didn't commit. And a lot of these ethics issues that data science is running into seems like statistics kind of dabbled in it at some point and got completely thrown yeah, out. Yeah, thrown out. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that in certain situations, we can't do that, especially with like face recognition. Uh, there's definitely a uh, racial bias that existed, at least in the first few iterations of facial recognition, people with darker darker skin were not being recognized because it was trained on lighter skinned individuals. Absolutely. Um, so these are things that we can't avoid, whereas statistics, uh, you know, just squarely got kicked out. So <laughs>
1: huh. yeah, interesting. Right. So is that our own bias? Is that our mirror? Right. Like mm-hmm. that, that did that to us or was that in the best interest of, uh, you know, cause I, I there's some movie, I, I don't remember what it was called, but you know, there's a movie that's like, you get put in prison for some future crime that you are going to commit. A someday, Robo-cop? Right? It, it's some, uh, it's one of those Hollywood movies. Right. And that's where the people that their knowledge about AI and machine learning from Hollywood like please don't but
0: um. I mean I I am always so like mildly upset when I watch a figure skating movie because I've been figure skating since I was like two or three and I have a lot of opinions about it and when I watch anything with like AI yeah I'm like, it does not work like that in that movie. Can you, like, have an AI consultant come <laughs> on to this, like, script and help you write it to make it realistic? Yeah. Um, but, yes, sorry. Yeah, no, I,
1: I totally get it because it's the same thing for me when it comes to, like, programming or cybersecurity, right? Because um, I, I, I do trainings in cybersecurity as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely one of those. It, <laughs> Hollywood always gets it wrong, yeah. right? At one point in time, it's like, oh, we're hacking in, and, you know, you've got two people using one keyboard, <laughs> like, uh, what? No, wait. What? <laughs> Two keyboards connected to one computer, and you're both typing. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> but okay.
0: There's a specific command in Linux. I can't remember what it is, and it turns the screen into the Matrix. Yep. 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 That's what I feel like. All these movies, they're like input command, Matrix time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. ASCII. You haven't been rolled until you've been ASCII text in the command line rolled
0: Oh wow. I, <laughs> it's I can't say. pretty great. Say. <laughs> I can't so, say I've done that.
1: Um. But yeah, experienced
0: no. that. Okay, so lightning round. Okay. Favorite programming language?
1: Uh, I hate that. Uh, I'll say JavaScript.
0: Okay, fine. Uh-huh. Uh, favorite technology stack?
1: Uh, definitely .NET framework.
0: Favorite time of day?
1: Um, middle of night.
0: Is that when you get most of your programming?
1: Absolutely, in? yep.
0: How do you get into your flow state?
1: Uh, For me, it's, you know, just like chill music, no lyrics, um, and usually late at night, no distractions and lights off. Like traditional programmer, like throw me in the basement, (laughs) give me pizza and leave me alone. Right. Um, That's that's kind of more my flow, but
0: very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything that you want to talk about or?
1: you know, just again, I, I had a blast. This is super fun. Um, you know, appreciate you having me on the show and, you know, hopefully not too many edits that you have to do. <laughs> um, but <laughs>
0: that's up to Travis. <laughs> that's not up to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, We, uh, one of, one of our uh, team members, um, he's 19 years old, a uh, young kid, super cool guy. Uh, his name's Justin and, uh, he does all of our audio stuff for us and we call him audio boy, right? Cause he's just so young, but, uh, no, uh, it's, it's awesome when you have those team members where it's like, well, we're just going to sit here and babble and, uh, audio boil fix it, <laughs> you know, but, uh, we say it in good jest, but.
0: So the, the cool thing that they do is on the cameras, they have like a board and he actively switches oh, nice. while we're recording. Um, so he's real time editing. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then they like go through again and clean it down into like clips and stuff like that. It, they're amazing.
1: That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's way cool. You this, can't have them. They're mine. Yeah, they're, they're, it's a really nice setup. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> well, it's Speak Boise, so they're very, very cool. cool and they're very awesome.
1: Well, great. Thanks so much.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for coming on Sarah in Tech. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it was great. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to Sarah in Tech. Feel free to email me at Sarah at Sarah or follow me on Instagram at Sarah in Tech. Hope you enjoyed listening.